0: Me, Paul left the past in the past. And whether your past is good or whether it's bad, I've got to tell you, it's, it's hard to leave your past behind. I mean, we're going to validate it. It's a hard thing to leave your past behind. It's hard to let go of that and, and deal with reality and, and deal with the present and live for the future. It's a hard thing to do that. The truth is, we're all a product of our past. Because our past molds us and, and shapes us into who we really are even today. A past which includes how we were raised. A past which includes the environment in which we were lived. A past which includes our life experiences. A past which includes the difficulties and the good times we've all had as well. We've all had a past. In fact, I've said before and I'll say it again that that every sinner has a future and every saint has a past. Amen? Amen. Every sinner has a future in Christ Jesus if he desires and, and every saint has a past. But the sad thing about it is that the saints seem to want to live in the past over and over and over. Let me say this to you. No one has ever been married and left all their past behind. All of us have baggage. We all have baggage. But what you have to decide when, when, when you become married, though, is, is what's going to come into the union and what you're going to leave on the front porch. When you become married to Christ, you have to decide in your spiritual life what are you going to leave behind and what are you going to give to Christ? What are you going to do? Which experiences from the past will help and benefit you? You gotta gotta know which one of those are. And which of those things in the past that you've gotta leave behind because there are too many of us who get married and we are so selfish, we don't wanna give up anything to become one with the person that we marry. Because we wanna drag the past in all the time, well, my mama used to cook like this, well, you ain't living with your mama no more. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, Paul says this. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, I persecuted the church concerning righteousness, which is in the law, I am blameless, blameless. Old Paul right here you can look at his pedigree he was the pride of Jerusalem he was an accomplished man among his peers and yet he's going to have to let some of that go no matter what you've accomplished in your life in the past you've got to let some of that stuff go when you come face to face with God you got to let it go but we want to have God we want to have the world at the same time we want to have one foot in the world and one foot on Christ when you meet Christ you've got to, I don't care who you are Paul had a wonderful pedigree. He, he was the pride of his family. I know they were proud of him. And yet he had to let some of that stuff go because it's not what you did yesterday. What are you doing now for God? What are you doing right now for God? You know, I was looking at the news uh, last week and this week there's a guy by the name of Adrian Griffin. He was a former coach in the Milwaukee Bucks and he was fired just 43 games into his tenure. The man had a record of 30 and 13, that's 70% win percentage, 70% out of here, out of here. What what can you do for me? I I mean, I'm thinking to myself, the man got fired, did did, did he forget how to coach? I, I don't think so. But, but evidently what the team wanted, and the words they always use is we've got to move on. They've got to move on because they're looking towards the future, and evidently 30 and 13 is not enough today to keep his job. Let me just talk to you, because we the church, right? Too many churches are still living in the past. Let's, let's just get that together right now. Too many churches are still living in the past. All they want to talk about is, you know, we've done some great things in the past. They want to say, you know, we have some great people here. And, and, and all that's well and good. But the problem is, you know from Gramsci, where them people at now? Where are they at right now? What are they doing right now, today? Where are they? Well, the ideas of the future and those young people that we have coming up? Where are they today? Are they today? You know, I, I absolutely was proud of the fact that, 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 that my, my daughter, a young lady of 30 some years old, you know what to tell a woman's age, you're over 30. She spoke yesterday the Women's Day and they said that it was a wonderful speech. I haven't had a chance to hear it yet, but, but, but God permitting, I will. We have to embrace the ideas of the future and our children or our future, whether you like it or not, we can't keep sitting there on those jobs seventy years and not giving those kids. <laughs> and we tell them all the time, go find your job. How you gonna find? You got these people seventy still sitting there on the job. In the church, is the same way. Nobody wants to relinquish their quote-unquote power. All right, then. We got to break away from the past and embrace a future that leaves no one behind. A future guided by the, by the Holy Spirit of God and His will, and not by some age-old ideology not based in Scripture. We have to deal with the challenges of today. Let me tell you what's a blessing that's coming to this church. Our nursery is getting ready to be filled up again. We've had about four or five ladies and, and, and their husbands who've said, you know what? We're having a baby. Isn't that great? What lies ahead of us is the future of the church and those children. There are some things in Paul's life, certainly there are some things in his life, in his past, that he would have liked to forgotten. And I know there are some things in your past that you've liked to have forgotten as well. All you gotta do is put them behind you. Stop playing with them. Stop bringing them up every time. You know, women do that plenty, men. You can't, you can't fuss with no woman he's going to bring it back for you from way back from 1938. What are you living in? <laughs> you remember 1938, what you, look, you got, leave that back there. It's 1938. <laughs> <laughs> Verse number six, Paul says this. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Ananias says, the Lord, I've heard from many things about this man's soul and how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and you want me to go down there, and you want me to to baptize him? Listen, Paul says, I persecuted the church. How many saints were in fellowship with this man who was responsible for the pain, anguish, and sometimes even the death of a family member? Think about that. If I was standing before you preaching a lesson this morning and I have injured your family, or or your loved ones, or your mother, or your father, how would you look at me, how would you view me? We're all Christians now. There were some people looking at Paul with the side eye, even though he was a Christian, preaching the gospel to them about Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if they come to grips with that? Paul says, listen, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church, but but I wanna put that behind me. But you know what happens to each and every one of us? Our past follows us and casts its shadow, everywhere we go, everywhere. Sometimes it plagues us and sometimes it reminds us and sometimes it holds us back from the things that lie ahead. Can't move forward. The point that Paul was making was that, that he was not gonna allow his past to hold him back and that's the determination that we have to make as well. We can't allow the past to hold us back. Amen. Can't do that. I, I think sometimes that the past that we wrestle with it's not so much that we have what we have done to, to somebody else, but oftentimes what others have done to us and we wrestle with that. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of an unfair judgment and we wrestle with that, we can't get over that. Maybe you've, you've had someone speak harsh words to you and you, you know you just can't get over that. Maybe someone has talked behind your back and you know how deeply it hurts you because you love them so much. Paul says there comes a point where you have to understand this, and and this is all about maturity. Listen to what Paul says. You've got to come to a point in your life where you understand that you will not change the other person. Too many of us are trying to change somebody else, and we're not looking at changing the one in the mirror. Paul says you've got to come to a point in your life, and you will never move forward until you understand that you cannot change that person. You gotta look them in the eye. You know what you gotta tell them? Let the past be the past. We gotta learn from it. We gotta learn from those experiences that that made you what and who you are. Because the past in some way and somehow, it equips us for what lies ahead. You know what you gotta do? You've gotta be forgiven of your past. There are too many people who believe that God it's stuck in their past. It's not that they don't want to be forgiven, but they believe that God just won't get over it. The psalmist says that, that God forgave the guilt of my sin. I'm not getting over it, and, and I want to pin that on God as well, but if I can't get over it, I'm so filled with, with guilt I can't get over it. God has to not be getting over it either. Some of us feel like God will never forgive us of the things that we've done but he will. You've got to forgive the past, though. You've got to forgive the past. I've even heard some people say, you've got to forgive yourself, but you can't do that. Why did Jesus come if you can forgive yourself? Why did he need to come? Christ grants us forgiveness. We can't forgive ourselves, but you've got to forgive the past. Sometimes you've got to look at others and, and you've got to truly forgive them. Listen, the conversation is easy. Whether they want to hear it or not, I'm moving on. You do what you want to do, I'm moving on. You may not want to. You might be stuck in your past, but I am moving. Too many strained relationships where people just can't say that. They don't want to say, look, I'm sorry. I've come to grips with what it is and I understand, but whether you want to understand or not, I'm moving gotta move on. And finally, you know, you gotta let the past be the past. Let me say that again now. Too many people hold on to them. You gotta let the past be the past. Now, why people hold on to that? Because they still think they look like their high school picture. <laughs> we can't, we, we don't want to come to grips with how we look today. What God has brought us through today Man, if I showed you my high school picture, you'd see a big old afro up there, bam, you know. Nice little smooth face, named that? Oh, look, 17 was wonderful, wasn't it? But that is the, that's the past, it's the past. <laughs> you know what the truth of the matter is? Yesterday ended last night. It ended last night. And Paul goes on to say that, that the best in my life is yet to come. Verse 13, he says, I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead of me. I'm straining for what lies ahead. Even though it's going to be challenging, I also know that the challenge is going to allow me to, to want to quit because it's going to be very easy also to quit. There are a lot of Christians, some of you might even know, that have decided, you know what? I'm probably not going to heaven. That's a sad commentary. And some Christians have said that. I'm probably not going to heaven anyway, so, so why bother with the effort? I'm gonna tell you why I bother with the effort because Paul said to the church in Galatians, chapter six and verse number nine, he said, "And let us not grow weary in well-doing. Right. Because if you wanna quit, you're not gonna reap those things. He said, don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. You can't be a quitter. You can't have the heart of a coward. We live for God. Hmm. Paul would say things like give yourself entirely to this work and take the pains of these things. He said in Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.15, you, you present yourself approved to God as a worker who, who does not need to be ashamed, Some, someone who is willing to have God look at what they have done Because you've done the best that you could. Some people don't want to do at all. But he says, don't be ashamed of what you've done. Present it to God. Because you've done the best that you can do. Paul says, not lagging in diligence. But be fervent in spirit and you serve the Lord. Serve him. Serve him. That is, you, you do your best. You do your best in anticipation of what lies ahead. And let me just tell you the reason why we're all here, because the same goes when it comes to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody everybody wants to go to heaven. The challenge is, are you willing to give what it takes to get there? Are you willing to go the the extra mile or two to to get there? I wanna go to heaven is the declaration. I want to go, but, but, but there are some things I, I really enjoy doing and I want to do, so God just got to understand that. Right? I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to be obsessed with, with this going to heaven thing. Well, well, to me, if there's something that you ought to be obsessed about, it ought to be trying to please God and do his will. You ought to be obsessed with God. Amen. I want to go to heaven, Lord. Lord, you know I want to go to heaven, but just not tonight. Not tonight. And and don't take me on a Friday night. Not tonight, Lord, I want to go, but just not tonight. Christianity gives us the anticipation of a future with God that lies ahead of us. That's what it gives us. Paul says, I am pressing on. And why am I pressing on? Because my best days are not behind me. I'm living today and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. He goes on to say that the prize is worth the effort. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I don't have it yet, nah, it's before me, it awaits me, and, and the prize shapes my life. Because I know what prize lies ahead, it shapes my life proverbial writer says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. The prize that I'm looking forward to, it shapes my life. It shapes my relationships. And I have to ask myself, the relationship that I'm in, will it draw me closer to God or will it drive a wedge between me and God? That prize shapes my life. And that prize that Paul speaks about, you and I know ultimately that prize is heaven. We all want to go to heaven. It's our goal, that's our mission. But we allow the flesh to get in the way too many times. This carnal mind, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We allow those things to get in our way, but we say we want to go to heaven. (laughs) I'm thinking about Genesis three. I can imagine the conversation in Genesis three between Adam and Eve. And Eve says, Adam, she says, don't, don't you miss the garden? And Adam looks at his wife, she says, no, no, Eve. What I miss is God. I miss God. I, I miss him walking in the cool of the day with us. I miss the relationship that we had before. Because Eve, we had heaven on earth and we lost it. We lost it. Don't you miss your wife? Don't you miss your husband? No, I miss the love that we had together. I miss the union that we had together. Why have you lost it? We take too many, we we take ourselves for granted too much in a marriage relationship. We don't do the same thing it took to get your baby hooked to keep her. We wanna change up and be somebody different Listen, we ought to miss the very love that God gave between you and I that we might have a union and help each other to get to heaven. But we're playing these games as husband and wives just like the world plays these games. Don't you know that, that God puts you together and you or nobody else can separate that union? Do you miss the garden Eve? You miss the garden, Adam? No, no, I miss, I miss God. How many of us miss God? It walked away in our hearts and our minds. Our spirits are no longer saturated in Christ. And you come to the point in your life and you look at what lies ahead and you say, you know what? I can't make any step forward at all because I miss God. How many people that you have in your life that you have strained relationships with that you know that you miss those people? But your pride won't allow your mouth to say that I'm sorry. Listen to God. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 2. Here's what the Bible says Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The corollary to that is John 14, three, familiar verse. And I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. No distance, no boundaries. No conflicts in what lies ahead, we will be with God. Be with him. Revelation 22.8 says, They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. We shall see God face to face, and his name shall be on our foreheads. What is it about a face? What is it about a face? Your face in many ways, you know what it does? It represents your character. Your face resembles your character. How many happy people look happy? Amen. How many grouchy people look? (laughs) They look grouchy. I mean, you can try to hide it for a while. You, You can do that. Put a little makeup on it but your face will eventually give you a way. Listen, they shall see his face and they shall be like him. Because ultimately, our citizenship is in heaven. And with faith, we can live with those questions. There are a lot of things that we will never, ever understand. And some things we don't need to understand. Because God preserves us and keeps us and guides us and comforts us. God loves us more than we can ever imagine and we will see his face one day. Don't you just anticipate that? We will see his face one day. It's almost like, like, like waiting for the birth of a baby to see the face of that child is coming. And you look at that face and you just can't get over it until they be a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verses 35, beginning, says these words Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is it tribulation? Is it distress? Is it persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, not even you, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. With the hope that comes from God, with the love that comes from God, with the faith that God gives us, we can handle the difficulties, we can handle them. Sometimes we find ourselves in such a situation, we don't even know if we're gonna come out of that day, come out of that dark place that we're in. But God gives us hope and he shines his light in that dark place in our lives and we look for the things that lies ahead, look for them. We can handle the difficulties with hope, we can handle it. And prompted by the love of God, we look forward to the things which lie ahead. Look what Paul said to Timothy. He says, look, Timothy, I'm I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. I'm looking forward to it, so just pull me out as a drink offering for the time my departure is at hand. I'm ready to go. How many can say that? Are you ready, Lord? Not right now. I'm getting ready. Paul said, the time my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also all those who love his appearing. That means he's gonna give it to you and the you and the you and the you and the you. He's gonna give it to all of us because we anticipate is appearing and we love it. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, he's coming, coming. The Hebrew writer says these words, Hebrews 11, eight through 10, it's not on the board, but just listen to God. We're talking about anticipation this morning, right? What lies ahead? Hebrews 11, eight through 10, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he received as an inheritance. What you calling me for to go there? I don't know where I'm going. Listen, what I need a map. I don't know. I I never been there before. Somebody calls us to go and do something in our lives, and you've got to go a certain place. Oh no, I'm not going down there. You see, the flesh gets in our way sometimes. But the Bible says that Abraham, when he was called, he went out to a place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs with him of the same promise. Listen to his anticipation. Look at what he's looking at what lies ahead. He says, for he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But we are citizens of heaven. And and we eagerly await for our Savior to come from there, our Lord Jesus Christ, to take all of us as Christians to that thing which lies ahead, which is heaven. We all want to go to heaven. We want to, and we anticipate that. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await for our Savior to come from there, that he might take us home Don't you want to go there? I don't know what you're anticipating in the next minute, next hour. But if God were to walk through that door right now, how you doing with that? You ready? You filled with anticipation. You know, when when it comes to Monday, there's, there's a name for Monday, it's called Blue Monday. Amen? It's probably a name for every day of the week, but there's no anticipated Sunday. Nobody anticipates Sunday. They just don't, unless they want to go fishing or invite family over and cook that big meal. But do you anticipate meeting with the brothers and sisters in Christ in the assembly of God on a Sunday morning? Because Sunday is the Lord's day. That's what needs to be affixed to that. It is the Lord's day. It's the only day that God calls us to come together as the ecclesia as the assembly of God that we might worship him in spirit and truth and look forward as we take the communion to what lies ahead. He says, remember me when you take this. Remember me because I'm coming back to give you the same life and give you life eternal. I don't know what it is you missed, I don't know. But there's some of us sitting out here right now in the sound of my voice that know that they miss God. Missing him. You know, some of us have given our best years to the world. In the few years that we have left, we say that we love God, we ought to give those years to God. Stop trying to go back out in the world and live in the past. We say we love God and, 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 and we only have a few years left to give to God. Listen, stop trying to run out there and do what you call turn up. <laughs> stop turning up and turn to God. It's a big difference in that, amen. Look up to God. Stop turning up to the world and look up to God because that is what lies ahead for us in our future. If you wanna to go to heaven, you gotta be in Christ. Gotta be in Christ. And, and we're gonna offer you this morning an invitation which was extended to us by the Lord. Maybe with us this morning you, you understand what lies ahead for those who don't even know who God is. So the next step you need to take is to be bare with the Lord in baptism. For we all sense of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We, we, we need God in our lives. We do. We do. Or maybe you're hearing somewhere along, along the line, you've decided to abandon the faith of God. If there are those of you who, who need to come back to God, we, we'd like to restore hope of what lies ahead for you as well. And we'd like to help you too. would like to help you too. Hearing God's word is simply not enough. Believing God's word is simply not enough because even the demons believe and yet they tremble because they will not obey. We need you to look forward to what lies ahead and obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need you to confess Christ as the Lord of your life. It's like the brother said in the Bible, I want the church but I don't want you Lord because I don't want you telling me what to do in my life. We say that with our mouths in our hearts, we read in the scriptures, we, you know what? God guides my steps. All right, whatever. We need to hear God's word and believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of Trinity, and God. Confess Christ and repent of our sins. Repent. Because we're still living in the past. Individually and as a church, we need to move forward in Christ. Be baptized in Christ for the remission of your sins. And, and, and Revelation 10 says, you know what we've got to do? We've got to live faithful until what? Amen. Until you're ready to be poured out like a drink offering. Live faithful until you've finished the race, until you've finished the course. And what lies ahead for you will be a crown of righteousness that the Lord will give to you and all those who love his appearing. Let us help you with that today. Let us help you as we stand and sing the invitation song. The Lord, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Whether one day they respond to the gospel, will you come? While we do his good will, he abides with us still. Whether one day to trust and obey, will you come? Will you trust and obey? Trust and obey For there's no